there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator's enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite. Hey, 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 welcome everyone to another episode. I think this is episode 43. I really got to get a count on this. But uh, we're actually only uh, three minutes behind today. So thank you for uh, spending your afternoon with us. As always, if you have questions, feel free to put them in the chat. Let me know where you're listening from. It's great to start seeing some regular people showing up here on a regular basis. Uh, before we get into today's topic, our private membership associations, our private membership associations legal, easy for me to say. Um, we've got to take care of a few little housekeeping things. So first of all, none of this constitute legal or tax advice. And two, there are a couple, uh, we'll call them sponsors, I guess, that I want to um, make sure you're aware of. They can all be found on the East Coast PMA website. That's eastcoastpma.com. Links are in the description. Uh, but the first one is uh, Liberty Dollar Financial Association. If you have an association, if you are looking for an alternate currency that is backed by silver and to join another association, they also have a marketplace. I believe they're still putting that together. It might be up and running now where you can uh, find other associations that are out there also. So that is a good resource. So make sure you check that out. And then you can just use the banner at the top of East Coast PMA to get on over there. You can set up your account. You can find it and all that stuff. So that's also important. And then the other thing, if you do have an association or even if you don't, these guys over at Start9, it's the place to go to keep your computer sovereignty or to take back your computer sovereignty, I should say, and to keep your online uh, shenanigans private. So, you know, I loaded up mine today. I did a web search for, you know, some news that's going on because there's just some crazy stuff going on around out there. But again, it's only going through my server and it's private with me. So um, you can do a bunch of other things like run your own lightning node. You can run your own uh, version of PayPal through BTC pay. And you can also have an en encrypted uh, text messaging for you and your family, your community, what have you. So check them out. If you do go over there, make sure you use the code rebel alliance uh all one word when you check out that'll get you nine percent off of the system so make sure you check that out and uh get over there to see what they have to offer they have some really great stuff so that being said what is going on in the world today boy it's gotten pretty crazy um one of the things that caught my eye today in the news because it happened here locally in Connecticut, and I guess it happened in a few other state buildings, is this clown, of lack of better descriptions, uh, decided to send out uh, threatening emails to different um, state capitals, and they had to have like bomb squads come in and everything, and and uh, evacuate here in Connecticut, and then they had to search the building, and of course they didn't find anything, so. I thought that was uh, very interesting uh, to see stuff like that. I think we're going to start seeing some more false flags and more of uh, of that predictive programming, so to speak, when it comes to you know um, the deplorables who are going to be causing problems during this next election cycle, which we all know that's not true. But anyways, that's just kind of some of the stuff out there. And then uh, let's see what else was there. There was, you know... Uh, more nonsense going on at the border and the, you know, um, uh, Jean-Pierre or whatever her name is, uh, today she was on TV talking and it was just, it's comical because they're, they're making it seem like it's 
the previous administration's fault and that, you know, uh, you know, this is a good one because I've worked in the prison system. I've worked in the military. I've set up perimeters and use Constantino wire and razor wire and all this other stuff. And they're like, the razor wire does not keep illegal immigrants from crossing the border. It does cause a serious imminent threat to border patrol, which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But anyways, let's get into today's topic. I just thought some of that stuff was quite interesting. Um, you know, uh, especially with the whole capital thing, because it happened here in Connecticut and a whole bunch of other states. I'm just always curious on how some of this stuff works or how they pick their their certain um, areas. So that being said, let's get into today's topic. If you are on X, let us know. If you're on the YouTube page, let us know, the YouTube channel. And uh, also tonight, if you uh, are watching this in the replay, um, tonight, Telegram group and the Facebook group, and also in the YouTube page, I will be posting the link for the PMA Manifesto's free monthly call. Um, we're hosting it on Meeting this time instead of Zoom, uh, just because it's a little more private. And uh, we will be going, uh, you know, answering your questions. We're on there for about an hour, myself, uh, Erica, and the two Angelas. So that's at uh, eight o'clock. Coast time, I believe. I could be wrong, but um, I will make sure all that stuff gets into the comments and show notes and stuff like that. So you can find it and jump on there and get your questions answered. So the topic today is are private membership associations legal? And I came up with this topic really simple. I went over to my search engine, I turned on keywords anywhere, and I said, you know, what are people searching when it comes? To private membership associations. So some of the top things are private clubs, uh, rules and regulations, private membership association templates, which, you know, funny enough, if you need to go get your DIY templates, you can go right over to the pmamanifesto.com or East Coast PMA to get your DIY templates, uh, like we've talked about many times before on here. So that being said, uh, the next one was our private membership associations legal. And I thought this was, um, and they have stuff about private membership association, PDFs and founding documents, stuff like that. That's what everybody's been searching. But with this, I decided, you know, this might be a, a good topic because I do get this question, uh, especially from when new people find this channel, find this content, um, Maybe they're in an area where, you know, homeschooling to do homeschooling or have a home drop off location. There's a lot of red tape that you have to jump through or what have you. But basically, um, for those of you who are new here or not quite sure what an association is, uh, let me just scroll through my my different stuff that I have open here. And um Let's see, we'll go right down to the definition of association. So this comes out of Black's Law. You can look it up. It's very, you know, basically it's a group of people getting together to get some stuff done, right? But technically speaking, the it's the act of a number of persons in unity together for a special purpose or business. The person so joining... It is a word used of vague meaning used to indicate a collection of persons who have joined together for a certain objective. That's USB Martindale, and that is from uh, the D.C. area. 
And then you also have um, Roach and Company versus Harding. And that talks about an unincorporated society is a body of persons united and acting together without a charter. But upon the methods and forms used by incorporated bodies for the um, persecution of some common enterprise. And that's Clark versus the Grand Lodge, Brotherhood of the Railroad Trainmen. And it's not a legal entity separate from the persons who compose of it. So basically, that last part has changed. You know, the stuff does change as time goes on. Um, so for our purposes here today, a private membership association is a group of individuals getting together for a common goal. I don't care what that common goal is. It could be anything from permaculture to, hey, I want to learn how to hunt to we want to get together and, you know, um, help one another within the community. So whatever your right, your reason of association is, right? So those are just the, the definitions. And then we also have... Um, some states have incorporated the Uniform Unincorporated Nonprofit Association Act or the UUNAA that came out in the late 90s. And I will put a list of all the states that have adopted that. So if you do have a nonprofit association, you can see kind of what your state looks at or how they kind of get all on the same page. So like we said, very simple. It's um, just kind of searching through here. Um the uh, the associations, you know, they uh, people come together for a common goal. Now, within that association, we're relying on the First Amendment, and you know, we've talked about the constitution constitutional law desk book before. And um, I don't know if I have that up today. I don't think I do. But um, that being said, um, you know, it, it relies on the First Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, and where it starts to talk about. Uh, privacy, your right of association. And I can't do two things at once because I only got one eye that's still working. So let me see here if I can bring this in. I got some court cases that I'll throw up there. And you see these um, talked about in other spots. So Pierce versus Society's Sisters. You have um, Thomas V. Collins. Um, you have uh, Bird versus Arizona. Mayberry versus Madison. Thomas V. Collins. I think I already said that one. Um, and there's some others in there too. I just see if I can pull them up. And there's some more recent ones. So you also have um, uh, the Roberts. Yeah, I said this Roberts versus United States JCs. And that, I'm not going to get into the whole entire thing, but um, oh, we'll get that in a second. But um, you also have the NAACP versus Alabama. That one comes out of the uh, constitutional law desk book. So when you start talking about the legality of associations, we understand that we have that right of association underneath the first and 14th amendment. And that's kind of what protects us. So we can say that if there's some other crazy mandate coming around and, you know, Oh, Hey, you can't gather with your family unless there's, you know, you can only gather with your family of two and more or four or more, and you can't gather with friends because of whatever nonsense is being pushed. We can say, no, we have the right of association. And that right is then talked about in certain court cases where it forms a sanctuary. It allows people to be able to say, I want to have a, um, you know, my religious freedoms and, you know, those rights. And then, you know, the difference between public accommodations and private accommodations and, um, so one of the 
cases that um, I'll put up on there. It talks about the 14th Amendment. This case is known for establishing the doctrine of uh, corporate personhood. And it kind of talks about, um, you know, how sometimes legal entities can be looked at as a person because you're not going to sue like, you know, Microsoft, you know, every individual that runs Microsoft, you're going to sue the whole company. So it, it, it starts to talk about that, the equal protection clause and the due process clause, how even if you have a corporation and one of them is Hobby Lobby, where it said, no, people have the right to their religious freedom. So um, there's, I think it's just be easy for me to post some of this stuff on the, on the website that you guys can uh, take a look at because it, it really, you can read the court cases for yourself. And I don't want to sound like I'm a monotone person here, uh, just reading for, you know, the fun of it. But once you have your group established and you say, okay, we're, you know, we're going to, you know, and this goes, uh, if you're in Canada, you have your Canadian charter of rights has some of this very similar stuff that's in our Bill of Rights. So um, you're going to lean on that if you're up there and it talks about the right of association, stuff like that. Now, that doesn't mean you're never going to be challenged or somebody's not going to say, hey, listen, you can't do this because, you know, they don't want us to know this knowledge and understand that, yeah, we have this right of freedom of religion. We have our right to dictate how our children are educated. We have our right of association to come together for a common goal. And then um, I wish I could find it. I don't know if I have it up here. Um, my eyes really bother me today. Sorry, folks. You got to have to bear with me here. Um, I'll find it. But it, there's a uh, man. What court case was that? Um, so one case I'll put up there is the New York State Club Association, Inc. versus New York City. That was from 1988. And it talks about public accommodations versus private membership clubs and the difference. Um, Hobby Lobby was from 2014. So there's some newer cases that back the right of association. Now, here's the thing. It's not just, I mean, it's, how do I want to put this? You can say, hey, listen, we're a group of people getting together for a common goal. And you might have it at a real macro level. Maybe there's 10 or 12 of you, right? Other people that I talk to want to have larger associations and we still want to keep it as an intimate association because then the government really doesn't have an issue or a say in what we're doing. They have no interest in what we're doing, right? Because it's it's private um, as opposed to like an expressive association where it's thousands upon thousands of people. But we want to not just, you know, if, if you're at the macro level and you're like 12 or 13 people, I don't necessarily say or think you need to have founding documents. However, if your group is growing and you've got people coming in from different walks of life and they're all coming together for this common goal, you want to start having founding documents. Now, whether you use the DIY templates or you write them yourself or you hire me to do it and consult to put yours together or you go over to the PMA Manifesto and maybe you want to work with Erica on the West Coast or one of the Angelas here on the East Coast, it's completely up to you. But the reason for that, and I, I cannot find this case. It's not right in front of me. I don't know where in the heck I put it. Um, I have stuff highlighted too. You'd think I'd be able to find it. But basically, one of the cases that I, I don't know where it is right now, the court went in to say that, you know, the the government can't come in and infringe what happens within an association. It's going to drive me nuts that I can't find this case. Um let me look on another page here. And that's important to realize that you need to have your founding documents. Hey, Frozen Dog, thanks for uh, checking in again today. Uh, anybody else that's on? We got a few people today. 
four. I think it's a record number for the live stream. So uh, feel free to share this with others, by the way, and let them know what we got going on over here and drop me a note where you're from and feel free to ask any questions. I'll answer them all at the end. Um, so uh, now we're down to three that I said that. Anywho, uh, so this court case, and as soon as I find it, I will post it on eastcoastpma.com and in the Telegram group and in Facebook. But basically, it went in to say that, you know, the the state, we'll just call it the state, cannot come into an association and start dictating how it should be run or how certain certain things should be done because they have their right of association under the First and 14th Amendment. They have bylaws. They have their internal workings. That would be like the local government coming into, I don't know, the VFW, the Moose Lodge, the Masons and say, hey, you can't do this. You have to do it this way. They can't do that. They're not supposed to do that. And this court case backs that up. So I'm just not prepared. I was stacking wood. That's why I look like a slob today. But um, if I, when I find that, I will post that in all the groups so you all can uh, can read that for yourself. So there is a really big um, legally standing uh, when it comes around associations. So if you go into jurisprudence, you can pull up all the stuff on associations. Some of it's about private, some of it's about public, and you can read how certain things are looked at. So the problem for me is when, you know, I like I said, I, I came up with this topic by doing a search through keywords anywhere. Some of the main sites that come up are ones that are just pushing bad information and they can tell you that you can do whatever you want. You don't have to answer the government. You don't have to answer a cease and desist if you receive one. So like we've had some schools here in Connecticut that have been challenged or set up as ministries. We have to explain to the state that under the certain statute, we're operating privately. So kick rocks. Now, that doesn't happen when you work with some of these other people. And, you know, I've had people reach out to me and be like, yeah, these people told me this and told me that. So there is a legal standing for associations, but it has to be done properly. And that's my biggest gripe, I think. And you'll hear the uh, two Angelas and Erica say the same thing is, you know, a lot of these groups try to ball all this stuff into one thing and call it an association. It's not. Your, your founding documents have to be written correctly and in a certain way. And many of the times they're not. And again, like if you've got, like I said, 10, 12 people, and you want to get together and garden and have a community garden on somebody's property and you guys work towards whatever your goal is, that's a small association. You can do that. Do you need founding documents? Probably not. Do you need to have those discussions like, hey, if we have a surplus of vegetables, where are we going to sell them? How are we going to sell them? Right. That should probably be a question that, you know, gets gets answered. Now, if you're in a larger association, like we have Liberty House or East Coast PMA, the people that are members, you you know, we're, we're spread out. If you have a, um, education association, or maybe it's some type of homopathic healing association where people are coming together to learn how to heal their bodies naturally using natural compounds and herbs and kind of like that lady you see all over the place, Barbara something. I can't think of her name. If you guys know who I'm talking about, this is the older lady with the hair pulled back. And she talks about cayenne pepper. She's got me on taking cayenne pepper twice a day now and the flu bomb and some other things. Um, drop it in the chat if you guys know. I'm Barbara something. I can't remember exactly what her name is. But um, that being said, you know, or even something like Liberty Dollar Financial Association, that's a larger association. They need to have really good written bylaws, articles of organization, a membership agreement, maybe a non-disclosure agreement, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, 
I think the problem is, is people kind of have half knowledge when it comes to association. Like, yes, we know that under the first and 14th amendment, we have the right of association, but how does that, I feel like I got bugs crawling on me from stacking wood. Uh, how does that work? Like if we have, you know, uh, a community association and we start bringing funds together to purchase land, like how does that work? And, you know, there's all these different questions that get, that get asked. And the problem is, is if you don't have your documents done correctly, you're not established properly, you can run into some issues, right? Like I just had a consultation with a lady who is in Ohio and she's looking to do some stuff with supporting candidates and um, uh, women's rights and that sort of thing. I'm trying not to use words to get banned here. Uh, but you know, those are just some of the things that you have to, you know, look at. So, uh, let me see if I can pull up the other thing that I wanted to here. I need like eight more screens up, but, um, uh, let's see here. Um, you know, so the, the question that, you know, I get asked a lot, well, is, you know, is there any protection with the association? Is there, you know, um, is there any, uh, you know, what's the benefit of having an association? There are benefits. There are, you know, one, you eliminate all that red tape with incorporating at the state or local government level, right? Now, there are some occasions where we tell people, hey, like myself, and I, I've done it and I tell others, hey, you need to get an anonymous LLC out of Wyoming just because of the way things are getting set up or the way you're doing it. So not every time is it makes sense to just do an association. There's other things sometimes we can throw in there. But when you're looking at the First Amendment, it says, you know, Congress shall make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peacefully assemble. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about peacefully assembling. We're coming together. We're assembling for a common goal. And so that's the first thing we're going to, you know, uh, you know, if we're being challenged, well, we've got the right of the Constitution. Now you need to understand how to, to word that and how to answer, you know, cease and desist if you get it and that sort of thing. And sometimes I can help people with that. Sometimes it's better just to find a constitutional uh, law attorney in your area. Um, but we do have that right to stand on. And the same thing, you know, um, when it comes to like the education stuff, just because you say you have an association, you're set up, doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want, right? Like we can't infringe on other people's rights. You know, I can't go run a brothel and, a, you know, and a fentanyl, you know, I can't sell fentanyl and say it's going to cure headaches because it could kill somebody, right? There's still laws in place that we cannot break as free people, but we can have that protection. I'm sorry, I got off track. That's what we we're talking about protection within the association. We do have that protection when we're doing things legally and we're saying, okay, we're going to come together because let's say we want to do a community like we have with Liberty House and we're getting together for a common goal. We're going to have a treasurer who's in charge of the checking and savings and Square account, whatever else we have going on. We're going to have others that are handling the monthly newsletter and we're going to come together and we're going to associate regardless of what's going on in the world, whether it's World War III, another worldwide pandemic, you know, anything like that. And then we have that group to rely on with each other. So, you know, I talked about it yesterday. We've got a, a big old nor'easter. If you're from New England, uh, you know what that is. It's a Big, big snowstorms coming through six plus inches of snow. Um, you know, it's, you know, pandemonium and, uh, you know, craziness on the news channel going out and get your eggs and milk and bread, you know, but most of us are prepared. I'm assuming anybody that's watching this is probably 
in somewhat of a preparedness lifestyle. So they're not worried about that stuff. But my point is, is that, you know, I now have a community where, you know, I've got this behemoth of a tree that I know is going to come down if the snow is wet. It's going to take out my power line coming up from the street to the homestead. And I'm going to have to deal with that. But at least I can call people to come help me because now I have this closer community. You know, I will get a faster response from my close community than I will if I call up one of my buddies a few towns away because they've got their own stuff going on. And they're not, they're not, um, what's the word um, uh, I'm looking for? They're not, um, not financially obligated, but uh, God, I'm having a loss of words here. They don't have... Um, any skin in the game as you would with, uh, you know, members of Liberty House or East Coast PMA or anything like that, right? So um, that's just important to understand that there, there are protections within the association. And some of those other protections are, you know, hey, um, I'm trying to think of some examples here. I, you know, you would think with all the people that I talk to on a daily basis, I would have a lot more examples, but I get a lot of the same questions. That's why I'm doing this live stuff every day, trying to answer some of them. And I think I just got to keep doing the questions and answers from the group. I think that's better off sometimes. But um, that being said, you know, some of the other protections within the association, like, you know, we have, and I, I got to find that court case where, you know, you have the right to dictate how your children are going to be educated. Now, whether you want to bring them to public school, you want to do homeschooling, you want to be a part of a pod, you want to, you know, uh, a co-op, or maybe you have someone in your community that runs a, an association for education purposes for its members only. And it, teaches not only the kids but maybe it also teaches the parents of things you can do with your children when they're home so not only are they getting like a supplemental education or maybe it's a nature type of education through this association but they're also helping provide ways for you to educate your children when they're not there so there are all those different aspects of it and i just want people to understand that yes you have i kind of feel like i'm rambling today i think just because there's just so much going on upstairs today with what I want to get out. Um, and I didn't do like bullet points today. And I usually do that to stay on topic. So uh, apologize for that. But I want people to understand that, you know, having an association is, is a, is legally protected. Being able to associate with your members and conduct things by private contract, you know, by between you, them, and the fence post, and to be able to peacefully assemble with others that are trying to accomplish the same common goal is protected and it is completely legal. Now, where you will get into trouble is if you're doing things illegally. And I guess I should talk about that before we close today because there are people that have, uh, let's say, faith based associations, right? You can absolutely have an association that's faith-based you can have one that is non-faith-based it could just be an association you could have a ministry you can have a free church the difference is if you have an association in most cases and in most areas they're going to be looked at as a partnership tax-wise legally wise um some states recognize them as a legal entity, some states don't. So it's important to know what state, you know, where you are geographically located and how that area looks at your associations. You can have a nonprofit association and then you can use the Uniform Nonprofit Association Act along with some other things. But again, it has to be structured properly. 
if you have, let's say, a faith-based association, this is one of the things that were being pushed um, early on, that you are tax-exempt under the 508 C1A tax code. And that is just not, that's not the case. It's not true. It's false. You can do it. Probably going to get in trouble with the good old IRS. And um, here's and here's why. Because the, the 508 C1A tax code is only established for churches. And the IRS uses the term church to cover the whole realm of buildings like mosques, synagogues, temples, churches, all that stuff. And then you can have auxiliary of churches. So maybe you have an outbuilding somewhere or another part of that church working in another part of the state that could also be tax exempt. What others were trying to do and what was sold to me early on is that if you have a faith-based association, that qualifies. It does not. You have a for-profit association. doesn't mean you can't be based in faith. That's what I want to get across and why it's important to understand what your documents say if you are getting founding documents and who you're getting them from and how they're being written. Now, if you do the DIY templates, all this information is in there. It it's, explains it in nauseam and how to fill them out and how to, how to do them yourself. So like I said, you can always go over to East Coast PMA dot com or the PMA manifesto.com and pick them up there. Uh, now, if you have a ministry, a ministry in most cases will not be tax exempt either because it's not a church. Remember the 508C1A is for a church. Now you can have a social club that is tax exempt. That's the 501C7. And there's certain requirements for that. Now, if you are like myself, well, then maybe you just don't care because what you do with you and your members is private anyways. And give a rat's hind to what the IRS thinks because you're not really asking them for position, uh, permission. Now, again, that's my personal viewpoint on things. That's more of the anarchist in me coming out where I just want a leaner, less intrusive government. I think taxes are theft. And uh, hopefully we get Dave uh, on here, Dave Merlin on pretty soon. Uh, I sent him an email a couple of days ago to have him talk about his whole uh, tax protest stuff and the things he's done with uh, taxes and whatnot. But uh that being said, uh, if you have a ministry, now there's some benefits that here in Connecticut and a few other states, you can find the video I did. Uh, maybe I'll do an update on that video. But if you have a ministry here in Connecticut, you are exempt from licensing from the education department. You can have a drop-off location for your members' children, and you can provide them a religious education. And they don't care. I mean, they're going to challenge you. You have to show that you're not using the veil of ministry. So again, it's important that we look at the 14 points that the IRS looks at when it comes to what is considered a church or a free church under the 508C1A and kind of, you know, check a lot of those boxes off. So nobody can just say you're using the veil of ministry. And the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of, um, paper churches, I guess is the best way to put it in some of these court cases. And, uh, Man, the coffee's good today. I just got a coffee came out great today. Anyways, uh, there's a lot. There's a few court cases out there where we've looked at, and I think it was Angela Harders that brought this up originally. I'm pretty sure she was the one that found it because um, she's really good with the tax stuff. And uh, basically, these people had these paper churches. They paid somebody somewhere. They got a paper church in the mail. Had some documents, but they didn't realize that in their state to be tax exempt under the 508 C1A tax code. There's also some other hoops you have to jump through. Like in some spots, you have to have some positions on your board of directors or your trustees that is 
non-paid, which is important to know this because if you are saying you are this entity and you're taking in this money and it's tax exempt, and then let's say you use it for personal endearment. So that meaning you take in, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, you put maybe five grand back into the church and you take 95 and you go to the casino. Well, if you're here in Connecticut, you can go to the casino and some other places, or you go buy a house somewhere or a cabin in the woods. That's not for the church. That is for you personally, and you have to pay taxes on it. And that's where a lot of people were getting jammed up because they were saying, oh, no, I have the right of the First and 14th Amendment. I don't need to do this. I'm tax exempt under the 508C1A tax code. And yes, you are correct. You are. But there's certain ways of doing it. And that is the biggest problem is people just don't do it the right way. So um, wait, we're back up to four on the live feed. Thanks for watching. Let us know where you're watching from and on what platform greatly appreciated. And so that's why when I, when I talk to people and I try to, you know, I, I get a lot, Oh, PMAs aren't worth anything or unincorporated associations technically is what they're called, or, you know, they have no protection. Yes, they do, but you need to be operating properly. And you can't just say, Oh, I'm association. I can do whatever I want. Right. Because if you try to sell fentanyl to cure headaches, Chances are your door is going to get kicked in, a flashbang is going to go off, and you're going to get arrested, right? That's probably what's going to happen because it's illegal. Just because you have an association, you still can't break the law. But what it does do, it does allow you the protection of being private, keeping the government from prying eyes and saying, hey, what are you doing? Or, hey, you can't get together and associate, and you have to, you know, if there's another lockdowns or whatever, you know, the uh, New World Order wants to throw at us or the World Economic economic forum or whoever right says oh hey no more than three people to, can gather together that aren't family members well we can say yeah that's great whatever uh i have my first and 14th amendment i have the right to peacefully assemble and that's what we're doing we're not breaking any laws doing that so you have that right like i think it was in canada maybe it was in australia during the whole thing you know 2021 2022 people weren't allowed to exercise together outside like that's crazy and if you know your rights, like in Canada, you have the Canadian Charter of Rights, it talks about assembly in there. Same thing as with our First Amendment. So you can definitely do things within the association. You can set it up properly. You can have the protections. And like I said, sometimes it makes sense to have the anonymous LLC. That's more for like the banking side of things and whatnot and have it manage the uh, have it um, uh, manage the uh, association. But you can do you can. Get these set up. You can live a more free life without the government peering into what you're doing because it's between you, your members, and a fence post. And as long as you're not breaking any laws, you have nothing to worry about. Yes, you're going to be challenged. Yes, you're going to have to stand up on your own two feet and tell the local government or whoever, hey, no, I, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing it properly. Go kick rocks. Go bother somebody else. Kind of want to make yourself a hard target. You don't want to be a soft target. You know, like these gun-free zones. Oh, that's going to get me in trouble somewhere that I just said that. But you want to be a, a non-soft target. You want to have multiple layers of defense for your association. And you want to be able to stand up and say, no, I have this right. You're not correct here. See you later. Now, if you're breaking the law, there's nothing I can do to help you. You know, if you're, you know, running a brothel, you know, I like to use that terminology, or you don't have an intimate association. Maybe you have an expressive association where you have 10,000 members and you are selling uh, unpasteurized milk or goat's milk for animal consumption. They're probably going to say, hey, what's going on? And that's kind of what we saw with Amos Miller. That's kind of what happened with him and his association uh, in a nutshell. But keep it intimate. 
keep it close with your members. You have legal standing. Um, before the end of the day or before our live uh, event tonight or, uh, with the PMA Manifesto group, um, I think we're going on at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Central Time. I will get stuff up on the East Coast PMA website and in the Telegram group so you guys can see the court cases I'm talking about. Just be bear with me. I got to get this wood stacked and stuff before this big snowstorm comes through. But um, got a few people on. Let me know where you're watching from or listening from. And uh, let me know if you have any questions. I'm going to shoot over to the Facebook group real quick. I don't believe I'm streaming in there today. I think we're doing X instead. I'm trying to figure out where most people are watching, where uh, to put my time and energy into. Yeah, I got nothing over there. So uh, that being said, I'll give it a few minutes here, see if anybody has any questions. Feel free to type them in. Let me know uh, anything regarding associations or anything like that that uh, you want me to answer questions on. Um, also, we'll be diving into this bad boy. Just came the other day, the Federal Civil Rule Book. Um, this because I got a class coming up on this. So uh, I figured this would be some good information for those who want more of the legalese stuff. Um, again, if you haven't taken Dr. Graves' course over how to win in court without a lawyer, um, the link for that is on East Coast PMA. It's on the right hand side. And uh, that's just a great um, reference. I think it's like 250 bucks or something like that. Uh, his telegram group's really good too. He keeps a lot of the garbage out of there and it's really just stuff you can utilize to win in court. I've used it myself. I know a lot of others have, and it really helps you enforce uh, your rights when it comes to evildoers or people that do you wrong, trespass against you, that sort of thing. So um, the only one we got here is uh Frozen Dog here from uh, Missouri. Thanks again for coming out every day. I really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, if you're listening to the replay of this or the podcast version, please feel free to share it with others who might be interested in associations, common law, standing up for yourself, and you know how to live a little bit more of a free life uh, without government oversight as you know much as po humanly possible in the current environment that we're in. So that being said, Thank you all. We're at just about 37 minutes, 38 minutes. And hopefully I will see you guys tonight with the PMA Manifesto ladies and uh, check out Telegram, Facebook, and East Coast PMA for the link for that. Until tomorrow, I'll talk to you later. Peace. All over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. Enemies of 